0: Uh, Tory Talk combo. And what it is is that when Tory Talk started off, it was just about recording entertainers, rappers, people who were in a similar vein to what I do. Right? Because I figured it would be easy to have conversations with people where we could create mental stimulating conversations off of what we have passion for. Sure. But what I realized was that that's not so maintainable. I don't live in LA. Or Seattle or wherever there's a whole huge influx of artists that that are just dying to have this kind of conversation to further pursue their goals or push their brands. But I always love like like I don't care what people say about Joe Rogan. I love the conversations that he has because he genuinely gives a fuck about the people who come on the show and he tries his hardest to like figure out what they're into. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a podcast where I could talk to anybody. And I could talk to, things that, to talk about things that are passionate to them and find a bridge on how I could enjoy some of their passion. And that's what Tory Talk Convos became. I've only recorded one episode. This would hopefully be the second one. And what it basically is is talking about people's passion and my bridge to their passion so I can share it with everybody. So earlier, a huge segment of what we've talked to is never going to be heard again. At all. Because people just missed out. I didn't have the idea. And that's too fucking bad. But now moving forward, I see you as even more of what your name really is. Emerald. You are a gem. You shine. Because of the pressure that you've gone through in life. You've gone through so much mental pressure. That it's affect your rea- your reality to the point of where you as an adult had to make a decision. Where you weren't going to let anything... In affect you anymore whether it's your environment or the people in it and you are going to shine and create your own name on your own you take mental health very serious you take it in a way that's real hands-on and in your face how do you feel about when i tell you mental health how do you feel about that what, what pops into your head? Like, if I was going to say, tell me about mental health. It could be your mental health. It could be anyone's mental... The condition of the world. Self-care. Uh, anything in the world. How do you feel about mental health? Because I know that up until five, six years ago, I didn't fucking think it was even a reality. But the world has changed. Right.
1: Well, I've gone through a lot of self-reflection in, like, the last... I don't know like 7-8 years mm-hmm. um, and I'm in the mode when it comes to my mental health that I'm being selfish cause like I'm trying to fix myself mm-hmm. so that's another reason why I'm like super standoffish to people cause like maybe I'm like not ready to be like super outgoing like I thought I used to be
0: yeah. okay so you standoffish <laughs> almost to where you come off as somebody who you're
1: not yes
0: in a way where you could be painted off as a person who somebody deal, deems as negative. Yeah. And do you, do you, would you hold a negative title with pride? Like, yeah, I am negative, but it's because I need to be. Or is it something that you're just misunderstood? Like, people just don't understand. I don't p-
1: think I would hold it with pride, but I'm, I definitely can be negative. But it's just We like, all can be, yes. It's just, mm-hmm. like, the phase of life that I'm in right now because I'm being selfish and just working on myself
0: yes selfish or you're finally taking charge of your life do you deem it to be selfish because that seems more of like an exterior judgment
1: i mean it, it definitely can be selfish um in some aspects it would be selfless it just depends on perspective
0: right but you almost give it off as that one perspective because you feel guilty about it do you think do you feel guilty about caring about yourself putting yourself first
1: sometimes yes
0: Where do you think that guilt comes from?
1: Me, like, always trying to save face for my family because of, like, what they did for a living, you
0: know? Right, yes, totally. It's almost like, I mean, not to make any kind of jokes about religion in this context because you are the daughter of a pastor, but there's, like, a guilt that comes along with, like, they say Catholic guilt, you know, or whatever the religion is, the guilt that comes along with having to live within such confining... Instringent stringent lines that we constantly have to break in order to have some sort of feeling of life. The Mormons get it the fucking... I mean, one of the worst. I'm not going to say they get the worst, but some of the shit that I... I'm going to have to have a a Mormon on the fucking podcast to break some of the shit down, but... Anyways, to get back to what we were saying, do you think that that's kind of where the guilt... Like, that's, that's the interpretation of the guilt? Oh,
1: yeah,
0: 100%. Totally. Yeah. But you know the truth. The reality is that you were just programmed to think a certain way.
1: Mm-hmm. I was definitely not allowed to think for myself. Like, when I moved out and, like, broke those bonds, I guess, like, the super close bonds with my parents and their church and, like, their congregation. I was yes. like, oh, my God, there's a whole world in front of me, and I didn't know anything because I literally could not think for myself.
0: Can you give us a little bit of a breakdown? I know you told me before we started recording, but can you give us a breakdown of what that those kind of, like... Like, the religious ties and everything.
1: Oh, sure. Like, 100%. Like, my parents, like, are Republican. Not that there's anything bad with being Republican. It's just, uh... From Mm -hmm. my perspective, I was very close-minded. Because I could not think for myself, like, um... Generally not to, like, bring up, like, racist points. But, like, white people should be in charge. That's the
0: mind frame.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Um... And then, like, when it came to, like, Roe v. Wade, like, 100%, like, a fetus is life. Like, I don't care about, like, perspective, whatever. Like, I am definitely pro-choice yes. now, but I was not then. Back then. Because of the programming, like, when the minute you find that you're pregnant, there is a life in you, and that life matters, and abortion is murder, which I don't believe that now, but I did back then. Right. Um,
0: the indoctrination that they give you.
1: Yes. And then... uh and I'll just like the whole church dynamic now that my eyes are like open and I can think for myself is definitely like I mentioned before cult like behavior and I know because I came from that 100% and I was in it in it
0: yes 100% oh my gosh like to be such a young girl in a world where you feel like things aren't right but you're getting pushed in one direction in only one direction I bet you couldn't have certain friends growing up if your parents deemed them as as anything other than what was acceptable, well,
1: like I couldn't even like listen to like what we would call like or I guess anybody would call like secular music. I could either listen to like oldies or rock, because that's what my dad grew up on and he like knew all the songs, so it was like pastor approved or was it like ninety three point three like that Christian mm-hmm. station? Mm-hmm. And I know like w- at night when my parents would go to sleep, I would turn on my radio to the lowest volume. Like, there was, and I would turn it to ninety point three, the key, and I would listen to, like, all those secular songs I wasn't allowed to listen to. Oh, wow. It was it was that bad. Yeah.
0: That's so amazing that you found little bits of freedom. hmm And you still, you knew how to access it in a way that continued, that kept the veil over you, so to speak. Yeah. I love that because I remember being a kid, trying to figure out how I could get what I wanted, and still appease, you know, my the authoritarian figures in my sure. life. So uh, that right there is really interesting. Um, when did you start to feel like, okay, I'm breaking free and this feels good. And I don't give a fuck if this shit slows down. Like I wanted to accelerate as far as breaking free from the mind frame of of what you had grown up in.
1: Okay, so I can pinpoint it exactly. So I, my, with my parents being pastors, obviously I had to go to the youth church there. Um, so the youth pastors at the time, like their son, um, had a girlfriend and they had a baby, mm-hmm. and they had like teenage pregnancy, you know, total taboo. Bullshit comes with that, whatever. Right. Um, But they ended up getting married a few years later, and I went to their wedding, and mm-hmm. my youth pastor's younger sister. Um. She was drinking champagne and I was like oh hey You're not old enough to drink and me being like 13 or 14 like super naive at the time I was like you can't do that And like I was going to be a tattletale because That's just how I was programmed Right. But then I started drinking then Like I, I can't remember exactly how but they talked me into like Drinking then uh-huh. and that just like un- Unlocked like so many doors And like
0: Right.
1: I definitely Like got a whole lot worse after that Just cause like, right. like the world Like got bigger for me
0: Holy shit. So there was a curiosity that you had
1: mm-hmm. oh, that was
0: peeking through the telling, like you were going to yeah. do. Uh-huh. And you allowed that to continue, like, to step forward.
1: Yeah.
0: And when you did that, the world changed immediately. Mm-hmm. Because you felt like the everything that you had been told had been some sort of, like, weird misplaced lie, so well, like, to speak. like,
1: yeah, like, even now, like, I'm almost 30, and, like, I, I still love alcohol, but I don't drink like I used to. Right. But, like, it was just, like, different then, like, it made me feel good, even though, like, I was just a teenager. Um, but it also
0: did something to your thinking. Yeah. Because it allowed you to, to remove the veil, so to speak.
1: Well, then, I saw how much fun, like, these other kids who were also in my youth church were having, and I was like, oh, like, I want to have fun like them. But then, like that, also means like I started to like see like my true self and not like the church programmed emeralds. Right. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, so like all you kids are going through the same thing, but the small pocket of children that are deciding to do this are kind of like waking up mm-hmm. inside of this beast, inside of the machine, so to speak. Of, I mean, you mentioned earlier how re- organized religion is kind of like a cult. So it's like there's a serum a truth serum that's opening your guys' eyes to the reality of what the cult is. Sure. It's like Breaking Amish or something. <laughs> Have you heard of that fucking yes. show? Yes. I don't know why that was canceled. Greatest show ever. <laughs> but, okay, this is an interesting perspective that you don't get too often. But you, you I, there's mi- millions. I mean, if not hundreds, of thousands of kids who would be like, holy shit, yeah, totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I totally was in that. Um, What I don't like about what that world is, is how they treat women. I feel like women are subjugated to be secondary as far as importance goes. Um, I feel as if women are programmed and conditioned to lie even more so in those worlds, especially to cover the ass of somebody else, like the husband or the sons or whatever. Um, And you're a woman, you're a girl to grow up in that world. You had to feel so many different pressures and so many different, like, negative emotions that were being aimed at you from all directions. That's very fucking tough to do to grow up in. And you told me off of camera just a relationship that you've had with your mother. And do, do you think that women are put in, a, in those worlds, in those realms, do you think that women are, have more pressure on them to be the hard ass towards the girls? Kind of like how a guy would be towards a young man.
1: Well I can't obviously speak for everybody because like I am a pastor's kid, but definitely I, like I felt the pressure, mm-hmm. which is why I did what I did growing up until like like the day I moved out like I can actually like, be the real me um, but like I, I don't know what kind of pressure my mom went under because as far as like I know, like guess my parents bought growing up like most parents do. Um, my mom was mean to my dad. Again, Mm -hmm. like, my dad is a stand-up human, like, put up with her bullshit. Um, Still loves her. They've been together for almost 40 years. Like, Mm -hmm. more power to him, truly. Um,
0: 40 fucking years. Holy shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they've been together for a minute. Um, But, like, I definitely know, like, I felt the pressure. But maybe I I put that on myself, though. Because I knew how, like, valued my parents were in the community. Maybe I took that upon myself. Um but then maybe, again, like, they did put it on me. That's why I felt it so hard. Like, who really knows? I just know that I felt the pressure. Because, like, pe- since people valued my parents so much, um, I just did everything I could to, like, mask what I was actually, like, wanting to do and just, like, follow suit.
0: Do you think that it was even harder growing up in a smaller town? Like, everything was just more condensed?
1: Oh, yeah. And, like... You know what they say in smaller towns, like there's nothing to do, so people do drugs. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They either get like, sucked up into a cult-like church, or mm-hmm. they do well, drugs.
1: Well, yeah, and with my mom, like going through what she went through as a kid, like I don't remember. Like my mom's doing a lot better now, like health-wise, but I don't remember a time where she was like 100% truly healthy. Like she's taking a bunch of medication growing up, mm-hmm. and with me getting like that one taste of champagne at the wedding, mm-hmm. like open those doors, like I said, and I definitely like gotten to a deep hole like there was alcohol there was pills and I was actually stealing my mom's medication that she needed just to like barely function as a human like I will give her that credit like the, the medication she was taking even though it was like narcotics and stuff yeah. but it made her be able to like kind of function in society uh-huh. without it like she was bedridden yeah yeah mm. Um, and I took that from her so I kind of feel bad about that but at the same time I, I feel like it was kind of obvious like looking back that I was very troubled
0: mm-hmm. yeah Um, Well, it was like an it was a mutual exchange between the two of you. I mean, she was offering, she was giving you pain, mental anguish, in other ways, and you were taking her pain reliever from her. Yeah. <laughs> so, in a way, I mean, not to make light of such a dark thing, but it—that's kind of how a lot of parental relationships are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, yeah, you're gonna be the heavy and the authoritarian complex that's gonna ruin my freedom and my happiness, but then I'm gonna find loopholes and ways to completely make you look stupid and a buffoon, mm-hmm. and I think that's the father the mother daughter like that's the dynamic of that um but it's really interesting to hear it in, in like a religious context because um like i said it, it really, uh, well i didn't say it, but i feel like i said it in my head um that world is so closed off like i feel like it purposely it is oh, so yeah
1: the, like the things that happen behind closed doors um like there's so many things that happened in my childhood that like have left the sour taste in my mouth even now, like, ten plus years later of me, like, moving out and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, for one, um, I don't exactly know how I feel about marriage because I know how my parents were buying clothes stores and, like, love my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I kind of have to, like, love my mom by default even though, like, I'm fine with, like, never speaking to her again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, she was not nice to him and I remember him giving her, like, so much grace in life. Mm-hmm. Like, she'd be screaming at him, and then my dad would just be talking in a calm tone. She'd be like, okay, okay, like, are we done? Like, let's go take a time out. Like, he was, like, he was the calm person in my life. Um, But there was, like, one moment I remember they came back from, like, marriage counseling or something like that, and remember they were talking about they had a TV in their room, and I know this is, like, really weird, but this is why I will never have a TV in my room. Okay. Um, it's because, um, from what I remember, they said that their, their marriage counselor said uh that like your bedroom is meant for like sexy time and then sleeping mm-hmm. like why are you having like a communal like let's just chill in there type of vibe with the tv okay. and the minute they took their tv out of the room like the fighting stopped uh-huh. Uh-huh. it was really weird so like yeah like tvs in the rooms like i will never do like i don't judge people if they do it but for, right like me personally because like that's the, so interesting like they're screaming matches though
0: so, so a TV is an alternative to, to personal connection between two people who, who need to bond.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, maybe it's not like that for like, most humans, but like, for my parents, like literally the minute they took the TV out of their room, like, the yelling, the screaming, the arguing like stopped.
0: I think the contrary. I think that it might actually be that way for humans in general, because the reason I say that is a television... Or anything that connects to the internet, like is so powerful that it's able to distract somebody to the point of where all the things that they deem as is important, as far as a response level, is dulled. Like mm-hmm. even like parents who are on their phone so much that they don't respond to their kids' needs immediately. Your kids are supposed to be the biggest thing in your world. Right. How is it that they don't get the immediate response that they need? And that's what I mean by the bedroom thing. There might be something going on there as far as a television in the room. And now that I think about it, all the relationships that I had that failed, there was a huge fucking TV in the room. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's so basic. Mm-hmm. But yet, so complex. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to really examine that because that's fucking interesting.
1: Right. And, but like in perspective, though, like it does seem so little. Yeah. But like the effect it has is so drastic. At least in like my experience. No, yeah.
0: I mean, even the elimination of all things such might create a happier existence amongst people cohabiting the same space. Now that I think about it, all the relationships that I had, I I purposely put a device between me and that person. Because it was the thing that validated me. It made me feel something that the other person couldn't. Huh. That's rather interesting. (laughs) Now I'm opening up, holy fuck. (laughs) No, but that's good. Man, the basics. The basics teach you things that are so complex that even science can't explain Mm -hmm. at times. Um, Okay, marriage. Let's go back to this marriage thing where you were saying that their relationship, their marriage, makes you doubt the possibility of you having a successful one in the future. Makes you even think like the validation of marriage is up for question. Hold on. I want to add this to it. Don't you think that you are a different person than your father? Yes. You have a lot of good similarities that you would own up to immediately because you admire him. Yeah. But you are a different person than your father. Yes. He made decisions that you wouldn't stand for. hmm Right? Mm-hmm. So how, if the chemical foundation of what you're trying to create here is entirely you and the identity is you and everything that is you, you stand by, what makes you think that you would make a wrong decision when it comes time to picking that important of a, of a, of a selection?
1: I guess I just think about like how my mother has treated my dad. Like, so one thing I do have to admit, I am very much like my mother. Like I, I have, I have a very loud personality. Um, back in the day, of course, like when I was in like, the whole church scene, I was afraid to speak my mind because mm-hmm. of, I had to say face basically. Mm-hmm. I had to be submissive in like every aspect. Um, but now I am outspoken, like she is. Mm-hmm. Like again, with like the screaming, I I remember that as a kid. Um, <clears throat> but like, I don't want to treat somebody like that. Cause so, like again, like, tied that's back your into, threshold. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't. And again, like. It's just, like, a whole bunch of things. Like, if I find somebody that's as, like, as great as my dad, then I don't think I would ever treat them like that. But because, like, I am stubborn, I do hold grudges, I know what I want, I am, mm. like, I just have a strong personality in general.
0: Let me ask you this. <laughs> do you think that you could eventually treat someone as great as your dad that way over time? Because what happens is that people get dull to the, to the appreciation and the admiration that they have yeah. to people.
1: 100% I feel that way, especially as I'm, like, working on myself.
0: Because the things that you have circled as far as you having, like, the same sort of traits as your mom, low-key are things that you admire to a certain extent. Because you wouldn't pick it up and put it in your toolkit otherwise. Oh, yeah. Maybe like- you see they're effective.
1: Well, yes, because some things, like, get it, but it depends on the perspective. But if you're, like, a -a one-of-a-kind person who can, like, look at everything from every perspective, there is a negative and a positive to everything. There is. Like, me holding grudges. Like, I 100% hold grudges. I will never deny that. It makes me, like, know what I want and, like, know my boundaries and know what I deserve. On the other hand, it does keep me isolated at the same time.
0: Safety is isolation for you. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. This is so interesting because it's not as simple as it fucking sounds, but it is as simple as it sounds. Because it's like when you're locked inside of a prison cell and you're pulling the fucking door, and all you have to do is push it. Right. This is what the Matrix is, by the way. The Matrix is the chains that we put on ourselves by our own ideas of what the world is or what the world expects from us. You know this. And yet you don't address it because there's so many other things to go that are going on in your life you are a full-ass manager a whole ass life you have responsibilities that you have to take care of you have relationships that you have to continue to water so you're putting the developmental shit on the back burner because it's almost so simple that it just changes a change of attitude boom all that thing all that is fixed but you don't want to change your attitude.
1: I feel right now, if I do change my attitude, I might, like, take a thousand steps backwards and, like, be who I was. Like, I used to let things go. Like, I never stood up for myself. I would just accept, like, what is for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, now I, know, now I know I have boundaries. I know that I like my boundaries. I stick mm-hmm. up for my boundaries. Like, I stick up for myself and I know what I deserve. Like, I value myself as a human, as in, like, back then I did not. I valued people before myself, and that's not right.
0: I want to tell you something, but it's going to make me look a little crazy. I have to explain it a little bit. Be crazy. I went through something 10 years ago, or a little bit more than 10 years ago, that was, like, a mental breakdown that was drug-induced. It was partying. It was all sorts of crazy things. And this is what helped me realize that maybe I was not as mental stable as I thought I was. I went through so much in my life to get to the point that I am now. Where I could be taken seriously. Where everything that I do has worth and value to it. At a certain point, I would be afraid to be a gun owner. Because I didn't think that I could trust myself with a gun, be by myself. Because I was afraid. Because I had seen myself lose my reality and my identity without me knowing it. When you have a mental breakdown, you could think that a whole bunch of things are going on, and they're not. I thought the fucking government was after me and all sorts of different shit because of the paranoia that came from the drugs. So do you understand when I tell you that I didn't feel comfortable being a gun owner? Oh, 100%. At a certain point, right? No, no, I get it. Well, I asked myself recently, do I feel like I could own a gun? And I say, yeah, now I can. Because I've gone through so much... And I've taken the good and left the bad behind. Right. That I am a person who is now mentally stable to be a gun owner. Right. Right? So when we take it back to you and what we we're talking about as far as all the development that you have as a person. Mm-hmm. You don't know it. But you're 100% a different person than the things and circumstances that have molded you. So right now, if you were to change your attitude and accept a new life you wouldn't lose progress. You wouldn't be pushed back in a direction in which you have to fight back to get to. If anything, you would see life through a different lens, entirely. Because you own everything that you are and nobody can strip it from you. You are a person that has so much to value now because of how hard you worked, the adversity, mentally, physically, everything that you've gone through. So the things that you are now, you own. And I only tell you this because I had to use the gun fucking analogy. I had to. Because I want to show you how serious this is. The only thing holding you back are the things yeah. that you like about your attitude and your personality. Because yeah. you've, built an, you've built an identity off of it. it but is- if you realize that you can keep the identity, but lower the principle or change the configuration of the principles the way that we get offended by certain things because we're so defensive about certain things these are ideologies that are paper they're not even physical if we were to allow the ideologies to get the fuck to disperse like the clouds when I took the fucking mushrooms from the story I told you right? if we were to allow ourselves to do that it's as easy as flipping a light switch did I lose you at some point? are you with me? no yes And I'm not throwing things back in your face to show you that I've been paying attention. Because I have been the whole fucking time. But this is what I really feel. I feel like everything that we look at in life that used to have so much fucking power over you now has no power. So rather than hammering it into the fucking ground so it knows how it made you feel, we completely do the opposite. And we show grace. And we show mercy.
1: Right. Well, I get what you're saying, Um, and it's not that like I'm afraid to like change again. I'm just like working on like refining myself. Yeah,
0: and And you're putting that shit to the back. You're like, I'll get to it when I get to it. But that's the most important part, because when motherfuckers die, there's no getting to it later. Right. And you just mentioned all the health conditions that somebody has. There ain't no getting back to it later. And trust me, when people die, the things that we think aren't that big of a deal become the only deal. So that's all I'm saying, is that we create an identity that becomes our cage. We think that we are doing the things that are going to keep us good. But what if we change? Maybe the things that are going to keep us good become our, our fucking cages our defense mechanisms, Mm -hmm. everything that we create to protect us in this world because it's just us, when you realize it's not just us, then those things become very harmful. And that's all I'm saying. I just want you to see things in that light because I am you in my own way. I've gone through things where I knew that I could die that way. like, fuck them forever. But now I look at it differently. Because I've been allowed to live long enough to look at it differently. I'm not controlling shit. I am blessed to be here still. Because I could have been gone. I yeah. could have been dead.
1: Yeah.
0: And if you can relate to that, then you know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. If you have borrowed time, then make use of it. Speak life, speak opportunity, speak brilliance. And that negative shit, evaluate it immediately. The same way you would if you were on shrooms and you had, like, nothing else to do. <laughs> You'd be hammering those little fucking things. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying, because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the mark that we left on the world. And that's not a physical one. Right. It's an emotional one. Because everybody who will talk good about me in life, they won't talk about, like, anything superficial they'll talk about how I was able to break through to them and that's what I want I want everybody to realize that the things that we are so gravitated towards don't fucking matter the things that matter are the things that might not seem cool or might be embarrassing especially if we're not used to them and that's all I want because if you leave this conversation with a little bit more of an understanding Or feel a little bit better about some of the things that we talked about. Well shit, I just fucking kicked a physical and made that bitch. Because they ain't nobody convincing you of shit otherwise. Right. And maybe that's all it takes. Maybe it just takes an outside source who's unbiased to really listen and say, hey, I see you. And I hear you. And what you're saying matters. It's valid. Everything. You've been done wrong. You've been done dirty. But now is not the time to get back. Now is the time to let go. Grudges. I told you. Holding a hot burning coal. And wanting somebody to feel that fucking pain. It's idiotic. It's ridiculous. Oh, 100%. I know that's one
1: of my balls. Ain't
0: nobody going to feel that pain. It's like when people are slamming carts and pushing shit in the workplace. It's like, bitch, you're making yourself look stupid That ain't gonna hurt me
1: Well, I guess, like, in that aspect, too Like, the hot, burning, coal, Like, I would feel Like, I would want my mother to, like Care enough about her daughter To be like, oh my god, I fucked up I'm sorry But
0: care, yeah. yes Understanding that right? 100% Normal, that's normal But care is a different thing To different people People show the way they appreciate people in other ways that some of us will never fucking understand. Like, for example, my father. He was never an emotional supporter. He grew up hard. Him and his siblings had to fucking spit shine the shoes of prostitutes because they had money. There was a gay bartender that used to feed them. That story right there was never going to breed a normal man. But he came to America and he tried to figure out how to raise a normal man. So all the hate that I had, like the blame that I put on him for years, I'm so glad that he never understood it. Cause it was not fair. For me to give him a manuscript that he couldn't read and then hate him for it. Right. It was not fucking fair. And I I, I forgive myself for that the same way that I forgave him for everything. And now, all we have is just our warm conversations. And if if he passes away tomorrow, I know that I did my part. Which was forgive the man who I used to think was my enemy. And I hope that resonates in a certain way with you. Because we all have our things. But we just don't share them. And sometimes our things are worse. Is equally as bad. Or not as bad. But there's millions and billions of people out there for us to compare our shit to. You're a great person. I know that. Because I've been your friend for a couple years now. You have a lot to offer the world, but your shit is broken. The spigot in which you are offering is hinged. And it's because of the things that you hold in regards. The minute that you are clearing space and evaporating all of the shit that holds you back mentally, the chains that we've been speaking on, then you'll be 100% set to serve the people who need you. Because you're that girl now. You're that person. You are no longer subjugated to the control and power of other people. You are now a person of prominence. People can come to you. And they can give you what you've given me. And you can help them. You're fucking smart. You're sharp. But there are times where I feel like you are resorting to a younger version of you. 100%. 100%. And that's by choice. I know it because I do it too. There's times where I'm like, I'm not act like Teenage Vic right now. And it feels good. It's like a drug. It's like junk food. <laughs> like, oh, I don't like this motherfucker. But that motherfucker's gone for a reason. He couldn't come with us. Wait. Right. Where we're going, there's no time or room for any of that. That's the reason why old people are the way that they fucking are. They either get it or they don't. The ones that don't, they can't even fucking, they can't even spell their own name anymore. But the ones that do get it, oh my God, they're the ones that we will talk about for the rest of our fucking lives, even when they are gone. And that's what I wanna be. I wanna be a resource to the world. I always felt like the world was gonna completely just stop and information wasn't going to be so free-flowing. And then people like me were going to have to let it all out. Because we had stored up so much information and knowledge and stories and everything. And, like, come to us. It's like, it's like tribalism in reverse. Because, you know, back in the tribe times, you had the people like the shamans. and like, Right. Right? Well, we could always resort to those times. And in the world where technology fails medicine fails everything fails and people die left and right how are you gonna benefit the world the best that you can that's the lens that I think that we should start off as a rudimentary foundational period of our understanding I am a knowledge-carrying storyteller I will paint a world that you didn't know existed in real time immediately I rap I make songs that rhyme for people to understand the concepts fast. That's what I'm going to do when the world goes to hell. And that's how I want people to look at things. Because if it doesn't, well, great. Well, maybe we'll have air conditioning a little bit longer. But if it goes to hell, how are you going to benefit the people who need you? Maybe you won't be a fucking axe-wielding lumberjack or a fucking farmer or a fisherman, but you'll have a benefit. And that's what I want people to see. That's the reality of the world that I want people to live in. Any thoughts? (laughs) Well, this has been Tory Talk Conversations, and I have Emerald here with me. Keep tuning in if you like what you hear. And we'll be back. Love.